Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Gotta stay hydrated. Oh, you know it. That's the priority. <laughs> the interview is secondary. Did you get enough water today? Yeah. These are the main concerns. <laughs> I brought popcorn, so my mouth is going to be salty. Mm. Perfect podcast food. Chugging too much. That's a chewy one. You can hear that one on the mic. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> curls in your teeth. People know. You're a snack man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lifelong snack man. <laughs> Back on the podcast, our first third time guest, Alex Coyne. Yeah. Welcome home, son. Yes, it's going to be back. Thank you. Couldn't be better timing. This is going to be, I feel like we're yeah. going to have a lot to talk about today. You got a good week ahead of you. You're always on the grind. Uh, for the listeners who want to go back to the archives, Alex was on episode 25 in October of 2016, right before he took off in the creepy blue motel to head yeah. to Denver and then Arizona. And then upon returning, uh, episode 46 in March of 17. So it's been a few years since the listeners had the chance to sit down with you, find out what you've been up to here in the Pittsburgh scene, making a career out of comedy and grinding. You're working a ton of stuff all over the Midwest. And then this Saturday night, you got the opportunity to work with local favorite Seneca Stone and national favorite Sam Talent up at the Bison Beer in Waterford, PA. That's right. Two personal favorites of mine, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see um, Mateo Lane. Osha opened for Mateo Lane on Friday night in Seneca and his fiance Ariane hung out with us. So it was a nice like little hangout with him. And I, I just love picking his brain about comedy any chance I get. And then the, the three opportunities now that I've had to watch Sam Talent perform. He's such a just an incredible number one human being to talk to off stage, yeah. but just a tour de force on stage and just has you laughing at just super silly nonsense. And he he has more control over a room than almost anybody and just comes across as so genuinely there to make sure everybody's having a good time, which is what for, for me comedy should be about. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try very hard to uh, refrain from like, just, just drooling all over Sam's balls because I certainly could and have in private <laughs> met so many times. Um, but yeah, I will say that number one, he the first time I saw him was in Denver, Colorado, back I guess in 2016 when I was rocking out in the um, creepy blue, <laughs> and I recognized right away like, dude, who the fuck is this? This is this is this is the guy. This is a special human right here. And uh, the thing that impressed me more, though, was the fact that I was I was of no status at all. I was like sucked out from not eating enough and sure. looking real shabby. I was chucking papers for the Denver Post and obviously living in a van. And he he could not have like treated me with more respect and like just took me took me right. I don't know, just like was so nice to me off the bat. And then he obviously gave me an opportunity to. Um, open we stayed in touch you know after i left denver and actually our our grandfathers died on like the same exact day oh wow yeah so um i gave him a call it was sometime i guess like in june i gave him a call just to you know let him know that i was i was with him in his grief and we're here together in, in this in this thing and uh he's like yeah man i'm a, i'm coming to pittsburgh in october why don't you uh why don't you come open up for me and up to that point in my career, I wasn't getting a lot of love and because I wasn't working hard. Right. And uh, sure. I was just, I had a, a litany of bad habits, both internally and on stage. And uh, I, you know, it was, it was actually the opening night, the was, opening show of Burning Bridges. Yeah. They just had their one year anniversary. So we're almost like exactly a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Very life changing date for me. Um, you know, I, I would say about. 30 of my closest friends came out. You were working the board that I night. I did, yeah. I was uh, killing it. Any chance I get to watch Sam perform, I was like, yeah, if you need, I'll work your tech booth. Of course, John, Derek, I'm happy to help. Oh, yeah. I just wanted a free seat to watch the man work. Yeah, dude. He's a soldier. Garrett is a soldier for the Pittsburgh comedy scene. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So, um, you know, I get this opportunity to open up for one of my, one of my favorites on the planet, and uh, 30 of my closest friends show up, and I just... As you know, I just ate so my 10 minutes of insanely 10 shit. It felt long. Oh, you, it so long. And once it's not going well, it's so easy to like go inside of yourself. And like whether it's through like the physical manifestation of like 
bringing the mic in closer or like closing your arms over your chest. You sweat. I don't, I literally have never sweated so hard on stage. The stammering to like, okay, that didn't work. Now where are we going to go with this one? Well, if you didn't like that, it's, it just throws you. And especially early on in your career when you haven't faced that sort of adversity yet to know how to play those games that it, it really does. And I'm sure it took a while to move beyond that over the last year. Oh my God. On so many levels, like, um, it, it kind of, not only was it the hardest thing I've ever had to eat and stand up, but it was also kind of like the peak of what I would say was like the greatest downward spiral in, of my life that was happening. It kind of like, so I lost leading up to that. I lost two grandparents in the same week, my um, paternal grandmother and my maternal grandfather, two massively important figures in my life. Yeah. And at the time I was working for freeway Rick Ross and I had just gotten that opportunity. So I, I never really like gave myself the time I knit my mind. I like, I wouldn't let myself really, I, yeah, I took some acid about it and like cried and whatnot, but I never really like gave myself the time to sit in the woods and really like be with their memories and, and be with my family fully. Cause you know, I just like, I had to hustle. Like I could not, I, I was just in the midst of two of the biggest opportunities of my life. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And I was working at a plant nursery, which I really liked. And I was the next day, October 7th, I was supposed to get promote a fat promotion and like fat raise that day. I, I just like got the next day I got real drunk with Sam and just blew off work. And like the day after the set. Yeah. The yeah. day after the set, I uh, just got real drunk, blew off work, like got fired um, on the day I was supposed to get promoted and shit. And then, um, but that night that I got drunk with Sam was probably, yeah, I owe him a, a debt of gratitude, a debt of gratitude. There it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so immense, man. Like yeah, what he, kind of advice does he like embark on you at that point? Cause yeah. he's taken a beat on you. He's like, I like Al. We knew each other from when you were in Denver He's got an opportunity. I, he wants to help people. There's nothing about Sam that doesn't say, like, I want to give back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exact. And it was ruthless, like ruthless love. So I basically, like, got him to the side. We were just having a real fun night. And I got him to the side at the end of the night. We both had a couple beers. And I was like, yo, dude, I know, like, you don't have to, like, I'm not going to say, like, how was my set? And make you be like, but I know I ate shit, but, like, tell me what you thought. And he literally said, I'll never forget these words. He's like, bro, it felt like you were reading out of the phone book up there. It felt like you were doing <laughs> jokes in a mirror with the comb in your hand. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and then he proceeded to just pinpoint me so precisely, so precisely. He's like, listen, man, you're, you're a smart individual. Like you, you understand how to like kind of work around some systems and get to get to some high positions quickly. Like you did yeah. with, like I did with cryptocurrency. Like I got into the social media game. I was in the social media game for like three months. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm like with just a couple little things, a couple little like shortcuts or whatever, whatever I do, like relationship building skills, you might call them getting into some big time meetings, some conferences, some yeah. stuff that for somebody with less than any amount of time in the game to be able to open those doors quickly, just based on being you know, a charming personality sometimes. Exactly. And knowing how to like foster a relationship. I was literally, um, running the Twitter for freeway Rick Ross and like his booking agent within three weeks of just getting into the game, but, or three months, but he's like, listen, bro, you can do that stuff in a lot of things, but not comedy. And yeah. you're not, I can just tell you're not, you think you can, there's a back door. There isn't like, you just have to put every time, every night you're not getting on stage somebody is getting better than you and you're losing opportunities to grow. And plus it's like, this is what I love to do anyways. You know, like how could I, how could I overlook the th the best part about it, which is the work, like, which is going out there and bringing joy and eating shit and learning, like completely overlooking it. It's, it's so, there are so many easier ways to find what you like doing than comedy because people think like, 
oh, it just looks so natural up there. So take Sam, for example, like it seems so like he's just coming up with these like fun ideas off the top of his head. But that act takes years to craft yeah. the ability to just be natural, to not look like you're reading out of a phone. Book, which, <laughs> oh my God. But like that ability to like really control a room and not, and and for somebody like Sam, who feels so much the same on stage and off stage. I think that's what we all go for. Yeah. And as far as human beings go, you're the most authentically you of anybody. Of, yeah. of at least in the Pittsburgh comedy scene. Right on. Thank I you, mean, man. you don't alter who you are on stage to off stage. And sometimes you are too smart for an audience because yeah. you're talking about Rasputin. <laughs> you're talking about shit that the average yinzer doesn't know anything about. Yeah. And so it's finding the articulate way to navigate that story that I think takes the time and the effort. And he's a hundred percent right. Every day you're not out there. Somebody else is gunning for the spot, whatever it is that you have, because yeah. people are working harder than you and you can't get out hustled in this thing. So what type of, from that day forward, how did you take those lessons and really kind of double triple down on what you've been doing by able to like, I see you down in Morgantown quite a bit. I know you're going up to Erie this weekend. Like, how have you been able to network and build a scene around and outside of Pittsburgh when the city of Pittsburgh wasn't necessarily ready to book Alex Coyne? Yeah, good question. So, um, I don't know. I guess it's I guess it started by number one, just like kind of having to check my ego and realize that hey, it doesn't matter if if like if you think it's super smart shit and they should be laughing at it, if they're consistently not, you have to like wreck. I started like getting in tuned with the people and realizing that I'm an advocate, not only of the audience, but I want to be ultimately like an advocate of the people that everybody in that audience affects on a daily basis. Like after one of my shows, I want people to go home and be nicer to their grandmother. I want them to be nicer to the, the employees on their shift, give them two cigarette breaks instead of fucking one. Yeah. Um, it started with more of an empathetic thing. It took me a while to recover. Like I didn't start like I didn't start working right away. I, I had to like heal, it, which is kind of lame, I guess. But like, um, sometimes it takes a minute to get back up. Yeah, it's not an immediate bounce back. Sometimes yeah. you gotta lick your wounds and feel sorry for yourself <laughs> for a day, a month, a week, whatever. Yeah, dude, that was a fuck. That was a fat right hand on the chin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then I, I just, uh, you know, I started going to more open mics out of, out of town and sure. just making a point to do, to just crush as hard as I can and just get on stage a shitload and write more. And now I've actually even quit smoking pot because like it's served me in a lot of ways, but it's time, it's just time to let it go. I know I can be a better comic without the pot. Yeah. You know? Well, and I mean, it's like, it's so... What's the biggest noticeable difference, I guess, in the time? And uh, I know it's only been like a few weeks, but what's been the biggest noticeable difference in the sets you've been able to do while sober? Um, that's, I mean, it's, that's interesting. Do you feel more comfortable yet? Or is that still going to take time? It took, it took a second for me to like re readjust my timing. Um, sure. You know, being stoned, I kind of had my, my own rhythm stoned and yeah, I would, I was like forgetting my stuff and like sometimes I could get better riffs and sometimes I was just completely dead and like people could feel it. It's the question of, are you high or are you stoned? Yeah. And it's like, I can function high, but once you get stoned, at least for me, it was always difficult to really inflect my punchlines to really act out the way I needed to, to sell certain bits. Yeah. And it, it became a lot of that like monologuing kind of not, you're not giving the audience the timing of when they're supposed to react. Yeah. You're not doing what you need to do as a performer to be the entertainer up there when I'm stoned on stage. Yeah. I guess the best, the best like way I could describe the difference is like, I feel like now I'm actually coming from the diaphragm instead of the top of the chest. Okay. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's I'm actually bringing it with some energy and some, 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 I'm bringing it from the ground instead of the very top of my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a more visceral thought out attack mode than just that sort of fight or flight reacting. Yeah. Yeah, and just like relying on silliness and stuff, I can actually like get behind my ideas, and people are start, and people can feel it, and I can feel it. Yeah, and it's uh, and 
I can still get up there and I can still riff. Like I still love to riff and I still like to have fun and create off the top of my head and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's really nice to just like be clear up there and know exactly what I'm going to talk about most of the time without, without, cause I put in enough like thought and time since that night to where I can like know what I'm going to talk about without having it sound, you know, rehearsed or like I'm reading something in my head. Sure. Now for this show on Saturday, are you in the host position? Are you in like a guest spot? What's kind of the function of your role up there tonight or Saturday? Um, so it's going to be Dan Brady hosting nice. beast out of Erie, really putting the scene on his back. Love that dude. Get a chance to see him do it. Yeah, that's a name I've heard quite a bit. Yeah. And he's talking about someone who's hustling. Um, and then I'm going first and then it's Seneca stone. Sure. And then Sam's locking it down. He's putting the, he's putting the three point jam on him. Nice. Yeah. That's a fun lineup, man. Yeah. A lot of Pittsburgh love up in Erie. From your opportunities up there and in Morgantown, what are the biggest differences you've seen in either the scene as far as the types of comics they have or the audiences that you've gotten to perform for? Um, I guess I could start. Uh, the thing they have in common is the fact that um, there are like a couple central figures who I have a, an immense amount of respect for uh, that are really driving the scene, booking shows, making sure that bigger comics and uh, like the Kyle Canaan's and whatnot are, are coming through. That don't overlook those cities that might not have love otherwise. Yeah. And they're, and they're leveraging um, the Pittsburgh market, which is really smart. They're, they're really almost in an advantageous position. Like they have these small little markets that are on the outskirts of Pittsburgh. So they can just snag up like real good headliners from bridges and other places kind of on cheaper than if they would have to bring them in from where they lived, which is dope. Yeah. Um, and then obviously they're just trying to develop. They, they kind of need, they kind of need some young cats to step up. And so, so it's a, a lot of times it's like a lot of the same four or five seasoned committed heads on the show, which is good. It's good to develop those dudes. But yeah, I'd like yeah. to see, I'd like to see some more young cats like step up in both those cities and start, start getting real funny. Nice. Yeah. You know? With, um, with a desire to get out of Pittsburgh back in 2016 to, to go work Denver, to, to get back to Arizona where I know you had ties in college. Yeah. Like what's it been like coming back to Pittsburgh over the last few years and kind of resetting some roots here? Uh, it's, it's been interesting. I, honestly, I didn't think I was ever really going to get any love in Pittsburgh. I, I, whatever, I had these self-limiting beliefs and kind of maybe antisocial beliefs that like, you know, the powers that be were never going to fuck with me. It's like, no dude, you just weren't, working and you weren't and you didn't really like have if you don't have love for your own scene then it's not going to have love for you yeah so that was a big that's a big thing that i've had to adjust i've really like made a point to become invested in my fellow comics here and and give love to the young cats and and try to help out the the older heads where i can with my with my like internet skills and stuff like that um and then obviously, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten a good bit funnier. And plus, <laughs> plus there's been like a lot of the, a lot of the top dogs are kind of like either quitting or moving away. So there's like a lot, I feel a lot of empty space up the there's top roster that I'm ships. ready. Yeah, yeah I'm ready to kind of fill. It's been a big exodus over the last few months with guys like Stapula and Sasson and most recently Ray and Colin and yeah. Keon left, who I know you were producing a show with for uh, a little while. You've been doing um, here in Lawrenceville. Yeah. Civilization. We do it once a month. Definitely check that out if you get a chance. We've had, had some really good uh, out of town headliners come through. Yeah. A lot of good local comics on the on the bill. And it's been packed out. I mean, I was on a show at Bridges right after the last one came down and hung out. In, I guess the street is the green room where we're just kind of bullshitting, yeah. letting the show go on. But I got to catch uh, the first time you ever performed in front of your dad. Oh, shit. So I, had, I got to oh. watch that set, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Wow. What was his reaction afterwards getting to talk to you about uh, comedy at all? Uh, can I read the text he sent me? This yeah. is my favorite. This will always be my favorite credit, no matter what. This is the quote on the Alex Coin website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I don't. I don't give a shit if I ever get Montreal. This is. This was some tear-provoking shit right here. Um, it's always good to see family. My dad, anytime recently, like he's like, I can tell when you're not getting out. He's like, it's just the demeanor changes. He goes, you have to. You, it kills you when you're not out. He goes, you find the time. Wow. And so he's wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, your dads know, man. My dads do know. Oh, yeah. yeah, your parents can read you like a no matter how good you think you are at masking how you're doing. Yeah, they can read you through the phone. They can read you in person. Your parents know. Yeah, if they're in love and they are invested in you, they know. Yeah, they know when you're unhappy, and I don't think parents can really be happy if their kids are unhappy in any sort of way. That's wild, man. You are correct. Wow. And and the crazy thing about the, it's weird. I had like. Before the show, this was one of the, this was probably the biggest one yet at Civilization. We had these New York cats coming down, yeah, and uh, it was planned to sell it out. And um, I had this like I think I had a dream. I was like I woke up from this dream and I was like, dude, I gotta invite my dad, you know. And I was really reluctant about it because I've always had this. That was another thing that kind of held me back on that Sam on that first Sam talent show. I was always pretty kind of like ashamed of myself for doing comedy. I was always really embarrassed about it. Believe it or not, it's tough to say like. I'm a comedian. Like I, we all, everybody thinks they're funny. Yeah. It's like, I think I'm funny enough to get paid to do it. And I think I'm funny enough to get up in a room full of strangers and make them have a, un, not an unnatural response, but not something that you can force. Like you are eliciting laughter out of human beings. Yeah. That's not a skill that everybody has more. Like they've said, Seinfeld always said, like more people are afraid of giving the eulogy than being the dead body at a funeral. Wow. Like people would rather do anything than talk in front of other human beings. So true. And for you to be like, not only can I do it, but I can make them laugh. That does. It takes a level of confidence and swagger that I think comes with time and age and that sort of stuff. But especially to like say that to your parents or your, the friends that you had from growing up or your family members, like it does, it's a little bit of a, uh, a, a moment where you're like, no, I, this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. And I want you to be a part of that at some point in my life Yeah, to not feel like ashamed that like, that's how I want to spend my evenings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Beautifully said, man. And it was like, I feel like it was definitely a transform. That night was definitely a transformative moment in my career when I, when I got out and like, kind of smashed in front of my dad and like I was I would I didn't put the reins on because my my dad and I are very different people we have a very loving relationship but he has literally never done a drug in his life and I've literally tried every single classification of drug possible (laughs) and I've lived in a van and I've and I'm just you know I mean anybody who's seen me who's listening to this you know that I'm a fucking wild (laughs) savage up there and, uh, I didn't, I like, I had to make a choice. Am I, am I going to like water it down and try to like do a dad friendly and probably bomb? Or am I just going to be myself up there? I kind of was afraid that like, I'm a little bit ashamed to say this now, but I was kind of afraid that the better I did, the, the worse he was going to feel about it. Sure. You know, like the more of myself I was up there, like how much of ourselves do we show our parents? Yeah. How yeah. much? And I, I, at some point I don't know how much your parents know about like drug use or things like that from your life. But like at some point you have to talk honestly up there and regardless of who's in the room still feel like it, it can connect. And it almost like those situations where my family's been in the room, it's almost more fun for me because I can play into them and the audience likes that sort of a, an environment, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely gives you, it definitely opens up some really good lanes for riffing, no doubt. Absolutely. So you pulled up the text. What, um, oh, yeah. okay. what was the, uh, the note from your father after the set? Okay. He said, hold on, let me find this way. He said, See, and I tried to help you out with oh, that no, story no. about my dad. I thought, oh, no. and then you put the phone down like you had it. I thought we were just waiting. Lock screen. I know. It's good radio. All right. I got it. Good shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said the best credit of my whole life for sure. Cried when I got this text. Uh, you were, you were really good. Proud of you. Can't believe you can do that. Yeah, oh man. Yeah. He said, you're a star. I love you. And the Jesus. Yeah. It just, it just reminded me of something. Number one, it's touching it in its own way for a thousand reasons and stuff, especially like after, after, if you go back and listen to the first podcast, like after the, everything went down with my, between my uncle and I, which I actually kind of want to come back to because uh, there's been some new stuff. And yeah, we can definitely touch like on that valuable. family-wise, absolutely. But um, my dad and I kind of like really had a rough go after some drama between his brother and I and... uh you know, to, to be at a point where it's healed like this was really, especially because, okay, so I was reluctant 
to invite him down to the show because I was scared. But something in my inside of me was like, man, you don't know if you'll, you don't know, nobody knows what tomorrow will bring. You don't know if you'll ever get another chance to do this. Right. You get hit by a bus when you leave here. Who knows? Yeah. And literally like days later, I found out that he put the house up for sale and was slated to move to South Carolina, which he has in in a week. Wow. Yeah. So he is currently down in South Carolina. Who knows the next time, you know, we'll be, he would have a chance to see. You. Yeah. So like, Oh, so happy. I li- always listen to your gut, fam. You know the voice. You know the right ones to listen to. Um, yeah, fuck, man. But yeah, it kind of reminded me of the day I told my grandma. I was thinking about this a lot, actually. Um, I told my grandma that I dropped out of college. His mother, who was also like, you know, she was like a very work-oriented person. She was very, she wanted me to get get my money up and stuff like that, have a really good career. Sure. And, uh, I never forget the day I told her. She just like she was like she smiled. I told her I dropped out of college, and she smiled and said, "Good, you're gonna kill that shit." And I was like, "Dude, damn!" It, people will surprise you, man. You put yourself out there and go, and you really live from the heart. And all those stories you're telling yourself about people's intolerance and people and this and that, it, a lot of them are gonna fall away. That's the thing that I've been really learning over the last year or so. Well, the second time you came on was after your kind of return visit for the holidays and, and getting back here. The, the van was still missing at that point. <laughs> but I know we talked a lot about just the flow of generosity and putting good energy out there into the world. Yeah. And that's when it comes back to you is, is letting people surprise you with how much they care yeah. instead of assuming the worst in people, which is so easy to do in the world. And to close yourself off and be tribal and, and try to be protective of what you have instead of sharing the gifts that we are given. Yeah, or to just close down and sit in your room on social media all day long and and let it let that imaginary judgment limit you so hard that you stop even doing the thing that you're afraid of being judged for. Well, and it's such a sad, like passive way to view the world. It's like you feel like you have all these active relationships with people because you see what they're posting. But that's not a conversation. That's not a friendship. That's not like picking up the phone and calling somebody or sending them a direct like text to them to say, hey, we should get together next week. What's your schedule? And like really making an effort to connect, you know, human beings. It's so I hate social media. I really do. I, I'm still trying to figure out why I need it other than to promote this and to do my day job. Cause I, that's what all I'm doing is trying to fucking help people sell things. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm in the same boat, man. I, I, uh, I've had a lot of, it's been good to me like professionally and it's helped me create relationships. But as far as personally consuming it, it, um, it's not something that I like to spend a lot of time on. Yeah. Now, one thing that has happened uh, as far as social media goes since the <laughs> last time you were on the show that I have to ask about is you becoming the uh, uh, famed like face, uh, what was it, in Carnegie? Crafton. Uh, in Craft. I knew it was you a C. There, yeah. yeah um, Alex Coyne was featured on a police blotter of Have You Seen This Man uh, for knocking on the wrong door and getting <laughs> videotaped by somebody's Nest doorbell. Um, and and what was just the overall, going through the comment section and reading the things that people had to say about you, uh, not knowing who you were, not knowing anything about you or your life, what's that experience like to really finally like hear the trolls from Craft? Oh my God. I, yeah, I thought I was, I thought I was about to get vigilante like, fucked up over the dumbest thing in the world it was i think i think the post got uh 981 shares which has to represent <laughs> like a hundred thousand eyeballs yeah in the Pittsburgh area which it yeah i was actually thankful because it was like right before the sam show and i and i i kind of lever- i kind of judoed it to like promote but i think it ended up getting like over, way over a thousand comments and people were just no n- with just the most base level surface understanding of the situation probably didn't mind and not even read the whole thread right um just violent like violent and some of the ridiculous things that people thought like my favorite comment of all was like this lady she was like <laughs> she said looks like he covered his fake face in fake vomit and put shoulder pads on to throw people off period hope he's caught <laughs> <laughs> 
And then my my friend Kevin Reed, our mutual friend yeah, Kevin Reed, I love Kevin, who uh, whose house I was actually trying to go to that night. <laughs> um, he he responded. He's like, caught for what? Is it all of a sudden illegal to ring a doorbell? And also, that was the most idiotic assessment of the picture possible. <laughs> it was uh, that was a fun one. That was a. I I really encourage you to like go through my social media on my Instagram. I think I posted about it or on my Facebook. And uh, and check out that thread because that that is, you won't find some better shit on Netflix. No way. That was a good one. <laughs> now we were just kind of talking about the negativity that comes with social media, but you've done a better job than a lot of people of utilizing Instagram stories and Facebook stories to to kind of at least let people into what you're up to, whether it's comedy, life development, early morning writing sessions, meditation, dig, all the different stuff that you've got going on. What's been like the response from that? Are there some positive aspects to putting yourself out there that often? Almost all positive, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm very surprised and honored, and it's really cool. Um, a lot of people in life, like I'll be at jujitsu, and they're like, bro, some people at jits will be like, yo, dude, I watch your stories every day on the ride home from work. I look forward to that stuff. Or, you know, like, oh my God, that thing you posted today was so funny. I laughed, I laughed out loud at work and I'm like, dude, all right, this, this makes me, that's pretty much the re the sole reason why I haven't like gone off it and complete. I mean, obviously I have to promote my shows and stuff, but right. yeah, I have a lot, I have a lot of fun. I, I encourage you to uh, get at me if you're, if you're enjoying this interview and you, if you think you want to like fuck with me down the line, definitely the Instagram story is, is the place for you. Yeah. Yeah. What's the handle? Go ahead and plug it. Oh, sure. Uh, young thought doctor or you can just look up alex coin but yeah. young thought doctor he's there he's everywhere yeah you can see me with my dig ripping ripping a crypto conference in new york city and my profile picture nice how has it been the adjustment to your schedule and lifestyle of being like an early to rise kind of guy without marijuana over the last few weeks has it been an adjustment to how you structure your day at all now that you've removed cannabis from your day-to-day? -day? 100%. Especially my creative process because now I'm able to, which I never expected really, but now I'm able to leverage my dreams so much more effectively and actually actively use my dreams to create, which I think is so much... Before when I, tried, before when I had to quit smoking pot to go drink ayahuasca and like clear my body, I was, I was still infested infiltrated installed with so much um so much trauma and anger and stuff that the dreams the like the no pot dreams were crushing me and they were they were terrifying and weirdly sexual and involving clowns and you know fam who knows <laughs> well you were also for ayahuasca if correct me if i'm wrong you abstained from weed booze and like any sort of sex or masturbating correct yeah so all those things definitely that stuff builds up in your brain yeah. <laughs> yeah. that energy has to go somewhere if it's clowns that's on you i'm not here to shame anybody well i would hope not yeah <laughs> yeah it was uh so yeah the first time around i was like oh my god dreading that shit but now I actually am starting to get into a rhythm where a couple hours before bed, and I'm actually not an early riser. I'm actually an, an absolute night owl. You're more late night. Yeah. I it love, just looks like you're early morning from my yeah, stories. Yeah, because I stay okay. up. Yeah, I stay yeah. up all night long. I, well, usually I stay up about until two reading or doing whatever, creating something. And then I have a question that I ask myself, like, what does this bit need to be? to have to be finished or like whatever the most important question that I think can help my life. I ask it before I like a couple hours before I go to sleep and then I go and do something. I'll go do the dishes, whatever, play the dig, let it go completely as much as I can. Try not to think about it all in bed. And then Einstein was big into this. Josh Waitzkin's big into this. And, uh, then literally this morning I woke up like speaking the answer to the question. I was like, in the middle of a sentence when I woke up and I'm like, Oh shit, there's, there's the where next part of the bit that I need. And I just, I get up and I sprint to the notebook even before I take my first pee and I get that pen moving. And yeah, I'm, I, yeah, the man, the pot, like I really miss it. I love it. And I have a lot. It got me through some really hard times and helped me through this like rite of passage that I've been moving through over the last couple of years and took me from boy to man kind of, but now that I've crossed the river, it's, it's, you know, it's time for discipline. It's time for clarity. It's time for natural 
biorhythms, natural appetite, natural sleep rhythms, connection with my dreams. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. And just being more consistent so I can capitalize on the seeds that I'm, that I'm trying to sow. Sure. You know, um, are you looking at this as a forever sobriety? What's kind of the game plan going into this? It's, I'm thinking at least a year. Okay. Um, one of the things that's really helping me, and if anybody's struggling with any kind of addiction, um, you can hit me up. I go to this Lakota Sweat Lodge, actually, and um, you re- it really gives you a good, clean, like a good start. You you it gets 200 degrees in that thing. And you're sitting there for hours, and that burn all those toxins out of you. Yeah, and and it um, it takes you down to like the core, your spiritual core, I guess. That that immense amount of heat induced pain and this the medicine aspects and the and the tribal songs it takes you to your spiritual core and it's just a really good place to start from like the first everybody knows the first three days or the first three to seven days of trying to quit anything god damn bro you're just gonna but it's a it kind of alleviates that period and gives you a, a running start to, to sure. get free of that stuff along with many other things i've learned a lot from my, my lakota brothers up there up north yeah absolutely what's the like what's the process of that like like going in and, and getting into a sweat lodge like what's a day like that entail uh, uh so yeah it's a it's a beautiful process so usually it's on a saturday you wake up around i wake up around um 8 a.m it's about an hour drive north of pittsburgh and uh, everybody brings a dish. Everybody, there's a big potluck after. So it's like cool. a little Thanksgiving every month afterwards. But, uh, you wake up, you go there and you start, you start working as the Lakota people have a really cool thing that I've taken to. They say you pray with your hands, which you can just sit on that for a second, like pray with your hands. So you start immediately splitting wood, um, moving, bringing the stones in, building the Anipi, the little hut, uh, you know, purifying the space, getting the food prepared every for afterwards. And it gives you a chance to number one, take your mind off of what's this very trying thing that you're about to do. Number two, connect with, with all the people that you're about to be sweating with. You can also like use that time to, you know, like be praying or meditating or whatever, whatever you're going to be doing in there. And, uh, then around noon ish, you everybody crawls in you go in with nothing but your shorts women wear long skirts and a t-shirt and um and, a, and i apologize i probably i probably will like leave something I, if anybody from that lineage or that um bloodline is sitting there and be like what come on dog you're, you're, you're missing the big steps yeah you're completely mischaracterizing one of our most sacred rights i i deeply apologize and i'm just uh giving a brief overview but you get in there and um, the raw, the fire is built early in the day and then we all kind of sit around the fire and it's kind of treated like a wise old grandfather. It's viewed by the Lakota people as like a grandfather to be listened to and observed very deeply. And these, these stones sit in there all day and get burning hot. Then you put them, you bring them in like four or five at a time through, um, there are four doors. So there will be a period of time where the door is closed and it's it's pitch black and you're singing the songs and the drums are being beaten and you're really like, it gets you to a point basically to where the only thing you can do is to not like freak out and I don't know, like die, (laughs) uh, is, is to just send out positive energy, love prayers, however you want to consider it still gets really still in your mind. And, um, and it keeps going for four doors. Then it opens, like the door will open periodically. Air comes in, light comes in. And I've, I've had it come up to like 77 stones, which is quite intense. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, there, there are different times of year and different, different occasions to sweat. And everybody comes in with a different intention. Some, some people use it to purify from drugs. Some people, uh, it's primarily for me so far, it's been, it, since it's pitch, pitch black in there, and during the second door, at least in, in the way that, that I, my, like the people I practice with practice, um, you kind of, you get to, you get to have an open prayer. If you want to, you get to like, let it out. And since it's pitch black, you can't really, as you're going deep in your pain and, and like going, talking about the things that you really wouldn't tell anybody else, 
there's no light. So you can't see anybody making a subtle judgment in their face or not listening or whatever. It's, it's just you in the pitch black. And it really, I found that that's a really good way to go super deep and find things that have been bothering you that you might not have been able to find in other methods, including, you know, plants and all kinds of, it's almost like a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. But yeah, almost like to remove all other voice and noise and just kind of be in your own body. Yeah. And to really be able to obviously getting the toxins out of your body is huge and trying to just focus on being clean and moving on and moving forward, I think is great to hear. Um, and that you do that on a monthly basis or thereabouts. Yeah. It usually happens about once a month. I, I try to make it every time if I can. Yeah. The, actually the next one, I'm, I'm really going back and forth on this. The next one is on the 28th, uh, and the morning, oh, of the, the morning. Of. So I'm deciding I like, it's a, it's a real big toss up for me because a big part of me wants to do it and feel like charged up with the Lakota medicine and purified and clear. But I'm also worried that it, like, I don't want to get up there and be drained and like, to be exhausted on the yeah, day of a big blow, show. blow this huge opportunity that I've been literally grinding for for about a year now. So I don't know. I'm going to have to consult my advisors about that one. What do you think? What do you think I should do, G? I mean, I think it's, um, do you, I mean, you got to weigh the, the benefits. If, if you do, like, what's in typical evening like after that? Are you burnt out? Are you exhausted? Do you need to rest? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, early it felt like I had the flu, like the first couple ones. But now I, I feel, I feel definitely a little. I feel really clean. I, I guess I do have to like consult the past, and also I, it might be different if I go into it with a different intention. If I go in to like charge myself up as opposed to like clear let a bunch out. of stuff up. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're already an hour north, so you're on the way to Erie, sort yeah. of an attitude. So if you can wake up that early and be ready to go for the trip. And you're not backtracking. I think there's some positivity that comes with that. But if it's going to negatively impact the show, if that's not part of your normal, like how you get ready for a show day, then maybe it's not the right move this month. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe I just need to go to jujitsu and have a really have my pre-show meal and get your workout in. Yeah, Yeah. get a good sweat that way. I think there are still positive ways to, you know beat the devil out of you yeah <laughs> oh and bring a stick because he got he's 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 in he's in there <laughs> we've got um our mutual friend or mutual person that we both admire sturgill simpson putting out a fourth record this week it'll be out on the 27th yeah the day before the show so you'll have that yeah. to listen to on the drive up at least oh yeah sound and fury um what's What's it been like going without new Sturgill music for the last few years? And what's it going to be like getting invested in his new record without the aid of, of drugs? Oh God, that's a great question. That is a question that I've been racking. My sure. Yeah. How am I? Yeah. Cause so much of music and concerts and, and life and that, especially that side of stuff does un- not unfortunately have ties to using marijuana, using drugs and being a part of, you know, an out of body experience when you're going to these shows. Absolutely. I think I've been very uh, direct on this podcast and talking about how much I love it. Probably one of my favorite things in the world is to eat a tap of acid and go see Sturgill. And also to be a hundred percent transparent, I I've, I'm done with the weed for right now, but like I have not actually stopped like eating psilocybin occasionally and like the occasional tab, but yeah, to, to like invest in it without the frequency and the high doses it's it's i think it's going to be a beautiful relationship I, I i need to redefine my whole i think i need to redefine my whole relationship to music honestly that's like one of the biggest that was one of the biggest appeals to do drugs for me yeah it's like oh my god man the sound of music when you're sacking like <laughs> damn bro well, and especially this record, which is going to have like a visual component on Netflix where he's got this um, like large scale anime film that's been like put to the album. Yeah. That sounds like incredible from the pieces that I've been reading about it. So I'm very excited to get to invest in that. Um, but again, it's like one of those things, like if you've always done certain things a certain way, it's difficult or at least it's different. It's getting hyped up in a different way to still feel like you're that invested and especially with Sturgill where each record is so 
disparate from the last one and they're all almost entirely different genres yep. record to record and this one sounds like it's not going to be any anything like sailor's guide to earth or the two that preceded it so it, it's very cool to kind of see how he reinvents himself how he's adjusted to now having some level of fame after this record and touring still constantly and trying to uh you know maintain fatherhood and everything else that he's got going on yeah he just had another one Honestly, Sturgill just knows me. Wait, how do I put this? Sturgill somehow finds a way to like give me exactly what I need always. And I think the timing of this record, of this new one, I mean, obviously I'm going to be really charged up for the night, the next night, you know, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those, the next step in this new like chapter of my life he's kind of putting me to the test in some indirect way yeah and i'm grateful for that it's funny i'm also um relating to like music and drugs like i'm i've been playing a lot i've been playing the didge really heavily for the last two years i don't think i don't think i was when last time i was on no here. i think that was a newer development yeah so i got i felt re- i've fallen really in love with playing music now you've um, got your didgeridoo like at the mics uh, i mean on your story all the time yeah it's in my car right now hey. <laughs> <laughs> i'm playing it playing on the way the, here at the traffic lights whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> um and it's one thing to listen to music when you're when you're on a tab but to play especially the ditch for me like oh my god it's gonna be so hard and to give that up and uh i'm going out to sedona actually two days after the sam t show to spend a week with my teacher this brilliant musician named parangi who i highly recommend for everybody maybe we could um, put a link in the in the show notes like to some of his albums he's a masterful um multi-instrumentalist he's got he plays like 10 different instruments loops them all together creates a one-man symphony very cool i think that's going to be one of my primary intentions for that weekend is to um redefine and somehow find a way to reach these really high musical states that i could find on lsd playing pretty much i don't want to sound unhumble but like when I take a tab and I can play at a world class, I literally could play at a world class level with anybody in the world. And I need to figure out, it's like the Ram Dass dilemma and be here now, like figure out how to not how to get high, but how to be high. How to just feel that way all the time going through your blood. Yeah. Yeah. Be high. That's, that's the goal. It's going to be a, it's going to be a road too. What do you see coming down the road as we head into 2020 and and beyond? What are you kind of aiming for beyond the show? Have you been just so focused on this? Obviously, you got this Sedona trip coming up. Like, what what does next year look like for Alex Coyne? Uh, okay, so yeah, I got got the. I'm gonna try to harvest pretty, you know, harvest all the things I've planted in the spring this fall, and then that's such a good way to look at it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. I like to really. Uh, like harmonize my life with the seasons try to like look at it thematically like that um and then going into 2020 one of my goals is definitely going to be to be on the on the road for about like 50 weekends a year and just working constantly on stand-up i also want to start recording music it would be really really dope to be able to like collaborate as much as possible and as much as i could like benefit these two gentlemen parangi and sam like collaborate with them artistically in whatever way I can. I'm actually helping Sam on a uh, social media now with his Instagram, helping him build his followers. Nice. Plan to get him up to like 25 K by, by the beginning of, um, 2020, get him verified all these things. And yeah, I want to, I want to start putting some things out. I've been, I've been working real hard and it's, it's time to start, um, you know, putting something out there for the, you know, if I die and, and for everybody to enjoy for a long time, like it, it's, it's time for me to drop my, like my first half hour. I need to like recreate my half hour, but I I, want to record my first half hour in Morgantown sometime maybe next spring. And, uh, yeah, start, start recording music. I need to find some, some good musicians to collaborate with, which will be definitely an intention for this fall. Yeah. 
And There's a lot of good people at Hambones every Tuesday, and a lot of times they'll let comics get up. It's always been a good room for me to get up. And but if you're just looking for open mic people to to, to collaborate with or meet, I think Hambones on Tuesdays, and then Mr. Smalls on Mondays, another great room that they're always willing to let a few comics kind of get up and, and grind there. Yeah. But it's predominantly musicians who are always, at least to, in my opinion, so much more inviting as a crowd to comedians because it's something different. And it's something that's at least a little bit uh, of a change of pace from having every singer songwriter go up and do two to three songs. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they, I'll probably go to Hambones after this actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as, as far as like collaborate, I'm trying, I don't know. I kind of envision myself getting on um, desert tracks recording label, which might be a little bit grand- grandiose, but I, I like to set big goals for myself. Yeah. I'd like to be on a bit on the road with a, a, you know, a bigger comic and like doing, doing the bigger clubs that way. Uh, doing it the right way and yeah I, I just I just want I just want to keep creating opportunities and giving opportunities to younger guys now that I'm kind of I'm kind of one of the the dogs out here in Pittsburgh I want to I want to take I want to take some some Keon Neruzis and help them and some some Tom Higgins and some some of these younger cats and you know help them get the opportunities that I was not getting at there at the time yeah, what do you think the scene needs to do better in the next year? Because I know we've had a lot of kind of negative press coming our way over the last few months, whether it be Reddit threads or City not uh, Pittsburgh Current articles, just kind of talking about the toxicity that is our, our community at times. Um, well, to say a little thing about that, I don't want to I really don't want to like engage that stuff because I think it's so minuscule and so. Uh, so from the outside like i don't i these people tell me about these articles and i'm like who i'm out every single night but who is this cat like and i'll probably take heat for that but like yeah i i don't think we need to really worry about and i think to that we would could possibly say maybe we don't know them because they don't feel comfortable maybe you and i don't know them because they came out once or twice they heard a joke they didn't like and they got out of there well, if you're here, if you're, if you're going to stop doing comedy because you heard a joke you don't like, like it's going to be difficult to get ahead. Yeah. Good luck. Move anywhere. Where are you going to go? I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. Um, what we can do better though. Yeah. I think, I think we need more mics. We need a lot more mics and I need to take responsibility for that. Honestly, I need to start getting some rooms and empowering some young comics with some host bots and some, some comedy money and stuff like that. I've been actually looking to put that on the agenda for a couple of months now. Yeah. We need to be able to get out. That's the primary thing. We need to be able to get out four or five times a night if we're really going to develop as a city. Yeah. You know, cause you can get up. At most, I think twice, three times on certain nights of the week. It used to feel like there were more three mic nights. Yeah. It used to feel like you could get a hat trick on two or three nights out of the week. And now I feel like that's dropped off. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of twofers. There's still a lot of two mics in a night that you can do. But the, the I mean, what's a typical Alex Coin week in a perfect world? What mics are you getting to? Which mics do you wish you were getting to? Like, how do you try to structure a Monday to Thursday or even a Monday to Friday with Parkway? Yeah. Like, how do you build a week? Um, as far as the specific mics, it's usually, I, I like to, you know, hit the moose, um, hand bones on a Monday. Then Tuesday's been a little tough since Papa D's closed down. Um, they got a new monthly show out there. But... Mm-hmm. You know, I I'll sometimes go to that that Hambones music mic or try to find a music mic or like a coffee shop or something like that. Yeah, we're hurting on Tuesdays right now. Somebody's got to some, probably me. I got to step up and like find some Tuesday rooms. Yeah, because um, it's Pleasure Bar. Yeah, and, what, and then Hambones if you want to do music, but we can't all go there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I was almost reluctant to even say that on the on the. You old don't want to tip the hand. To yeah, let too yeah. Many I'm other trying to keep now. my spots, y'all. Yeah, uh, I heard I heard they don't like comics. Don't even go. Yeah, but but the ultimately like more comics should know about those rooms. And that's why I think Mondays at um, Mr. Smalls over in Millville is a great opportunity that at least when I was doing it on a monthly basis, very few comics were taking advantage of outside of Ian Insect. Yeah. 
Yeah, Ian, Ian's real good at finding those outside rooms. Ian's built a scene for himself that is predominantly music. Yeah. Um, and he's done a great job of developing those sorts of relationships to his benefit, to be able to do plays. Him and Liz Tripoli having their room at Brewers on Thursday night, which is very, you know, it's a gay bar and it's very open to voices that you're not seeing at Hambones, voices that you're not going to see at a lot of the other rooms in town. I will say, yeah, Brewers... I get surprised there every single week by, you know, the bartender will go up and like blow it out for five minutes. I'm like, dude, start coming out, man. Like that's, that's I, some good shit. I popped over there after trivia a couple of weeks ago and yeah, the four or five people, the performers that I watched were incredible and they are all doing something that I don't see enough of in our open mic scene, which is like taking what the comic before you said building off of that to tell a story and whether that's what you plan to talk about or not, it lets everybody feel like they're a part of the show. It feels conversational. It feels like we're building something together. That's special to that day. Wow. That's a beautiful point. Yeah. Coming together and building something beautiful. There's nothing better. Hey man, that's what it's all about, right? Hell yeah. Try to build together, collaborate, work with people that you respect and hopefully try to find something that both of you can be proud of at the end of it. Yeah, and I think going back to your point of what can Pittsburgh do better, I think I think we could all definitely brush up on the old mastermind principle and realize that three minds are better than one, two minds are better than one, and when you when you get together in the spirit of perfect harmony and actually cooperate and you know, lose that that silly shit, it actually like creates a mind or an energy or like a universe as napoleon hill would call it like a universal storehouse of of knowledge that w- it, that is greater than the sum of its parts you know i think we all could keep that in mind in every area of life that we're trying to progress at well and and just as a reminder it's not a race against anybody else yes you we all end up in the same place when it's over and if you get something four months before I get something, it doesn't mean I am not good. It just means I wasn't at the spot at the right time to get that then. And looking at this as a race against other comics or that sort of poison, it is, man, it's poison. And it, it will only negatively impact your ability to develop if you're so concerned with why so-and-so got on at this club or why did they get to host at the improv this weekend? Why didn't I get this? Yeah. Be funnier. Be undeniably funny. Be so good that they can't ignore you is the Steve Martin quote that I used to have on the background of my phone every day to look at. It's just be so good that they can't deny you anymore. Be somebody who can work in an urban environment, in a rural environment, in Lawrenceville, in Carnegie, in Carrick, wherever. Yep. Go there, show up on their porch, do your jokes. Yep. Doesn't matter if you're knocking on their door late at night. Just entertain. Bro, I did, Dan Alton and I did home, uh, a comedy at a homeless shelter last time we were in Morgantown, outside a homeless shelter in an alley for like 50 homeless cats. It was one of the best experiences of my life. He's um, a fucking riot. He's been on the podcast too. And I had to make up buttons for the podcast too that I give out to people. Right uh, on. I, I, I will always try to do my best to support Dan Alton when I can. So <laughs> Me too, dude. Shout out to him as well. He's another one that's just... Like Sam, just silly, funny, up there to make sure that everybody in that room leaves happier than when they walked into it. And it's it's such a joy to work with people like that because there are so many people who forget that the whole point of this job is to have fun and yeah. to make sure that other people have fun. Yes. It's yeah. supposed I've to been be one fun. Of them. Yeah. We all get moments yeah. like that, but the sooner you can refocus and recenter and remind yourself that this job it's it, it can stress you out and it can be like any other job if you want it to be. Yeah. But it's a job that nobody asked you to do. Uh, <laughs> certainly. As nobody was like, oh, I really need to see what that guy says. Yeah. Nobody asked you to start doing this. Yeah. So if you don't love it, walk away from it. But if you do love it, remind yourself when you wake up and when you are about to get on stage that it's your job to go up there and entertain for a little while. And and I'll leave with this and we'll do some final plugs, but it's a Billy Joel quote from piano, man. It's, it's, I know that it's me that they're coming to see to forget about life for a while. And it's like fucking life sucks sometimes. Sure. And the audience is 
having a bad day. The audience is, you know, getting fired from their day job or their girl left them or their guy left them or, you know, somebody passed away that was close to them. And if you can get up there and help them forget about that for just five minutes while you're on stage, just 15 minutes when you get to do something, that's what it's about. Yeah. Bring that joy to somebody else because they need it just as bad as anybody else does. Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. I wish that it was easier sometimes, but if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's true. So keep grinding, keep hustling. What do we call this episode? I've never had a three-time guest that was Alex Coyne. It's Alex Coyne Returns. Now we got... Um, call it... Call Al- it the... Alex Coyne. The, 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 the rise of motherfucking Alex Coyne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they call it. The return uh, of the king. I'm not naming... I'm not good at naming shit. That's why I don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the reason yeah, I don't have reason. kids for the name. <laughs> thought that I have $47 in my bank account. <laughs> If the people want to find you on social media, what's the best way to do it? Uh, definitely get me, get me on Instagram, man. That's where I'm most active and I have the most fun. You can see Alex Coyne this Saturday night at the Bison Beer Brewery up outside of Erie. It is at 7 o'clock. He's working with the incredible Sam Talent and friend of the podcast, Seneca Stone. If you want to find me on social media, I am at Dropping Bombs, B-A-U-M-S, on Instagram and Twitter. Follow our Facebook page, Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. We have new episodes every single week on iTunes, Laughable, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, I don't know, anywhere podcasts are available. If it's not there, there, you let me know. I'll make sure we get it up there because you deserve to listen to 178 weeks of this wonderful Pittsburgh podcast. If you liked it, if you want to support us, go ahead, leave us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. If it's really nice, maybe I'll even read it on the air. We'll see you in October, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I love you. I hope you're doing something cool this weekend. And if it's not going to Erie, I don't know. You could be cooler. Definitely could be cooler. You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collective.